Here we go. My name's Todd Adams. And this is Kathy Adams. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is episode number 241, sweetie. Zen Parenting Radio. It's a podcast between you, and your me. spiritual yes. and emotional mom, and me. I'm a logical and practical dad. We discuss transformational wisdom, everyday challenges, and pop culture to encourage laughter, self-awareness, and empathy. We have three daughters, ages 7, 10, and 12, and our goal is to give you the resources to become a better parent, but more importantly, to become a better you. And what's our motto, sweetie? So you talk so fast. I know. It's just because most people, this is not their first listen. Uh, so they don't really want to know what we talk about. But for those of the uh, those people who this is our first listen, they kind of need to know what this is all about. Yes. Uh, our... Our philosophy, motto. motto, mission, mission, is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding, which Very means good, we got to know ourselves if we're going to try and relate to another. That's right. So on today's show, we are going to talk about a term that you read in a book called overdetermination. The, the term is overdetermination. Which seems weird because that sounds like it's a good like determination is a good thing, but you're saying well, like it, and I'm not necessarily saying it's a bad thing. It's just a descriptor. It's a psychoanalytic uh, word. Got it. Um, there's a Facebook entry of a buddy that you have from uh-huh. high school mm-hmm. talking about couples. Well, yeah, and I think it kind of relates to the overdetermination thing and um, some other fun things. But first, I want to talk about our first partner, sweetie. That's Dr. Kelly from the Tree of Life Chiropractic Care. She adjusts us on a bi-monthly basis. And um, between June 16th and June 20th, it is uh, Frozen Week. Let it go. Can't hold it back anymore. Uh, which means that they're going to be playing that movie at Tree of Life Chiropractic. So you're sounding, you're almost sounding like Adina. Adina Menzel? Yeah. I could pronounce it. John Travolta? Not so much. No. Um, and they're going to have snow cones and raffling off a gift card. So check them out. Um, 630-941-8733. Hey, did you know that If Then is coming to Chicago Broadway? I did see that. Yes. Todd and I saw Adina's uh, show on Broadway, If Then, and I just noticed it's coming to the city, to our city. I know. And we saw that in Broadway and it was good and you had a headache. I did. We both had headaches. Did yes- you? Yesterday. Oh, Yes. Um, usually if Kathy's sick, I'm well. And if I'm sick, Kathy's well. Yesterday, not so well. We were funny people. <laughs> I would have like a wave of feeling kind of good for a minute and I would ask you if I could get you anything. Mm-hmm. And then I would like lose it again. We were, I don't think in our time together, we've ever had a day like that. Maybe no. a hungover day in our right. Like, 20s. Right. But, but not with kids. Not with We've kids. never both been under the weather at the same time. It was really crazy. We fought through it, though. We did. And we're back. And actually, this is the second try of our podcast. We tried this morning, <laughs> and we just, neither Kathy nor I was happy with it. So We didn't have a rhythm. We had no rhythm. And we never do that. We're usually one and done. Well, yes. We, we usually just... Sit down, do it, and and let it rip. Like, but, but both not of us today. kind of felt bad. So, anyways, and we you thought want, you you listeners deserve better. You know what we needed to hear? We needed to hear this. Bye, mommy. Bye, daddy. Have a good show. <laughs> That's our baby girl, Skylar. She's seven. And you had me record that. Oh, so that's, that's our cute. inspiration to have a good but show. But we recorded that like two weeks ago, so I forgot about I it. I know, but she, she likes it, though. You know Bye, what I- Mommy. Bye, Daddy. Have a good show. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay, Sky, you got it. Uh, All right. Um, before we let you uh, rip into, we're going to talk about Kickstarter. But we're going to talk yes. about it at the end of the show. Okay, so we're going to read our peeps. We're going to read the people okay. that are supporting our Kickstarter campaign, which is for the conference with people we love, which is in March of 2016. We're going to do that at the end of the show. So stay tuned to hear more information about Kickstarter. All right. All right. Uh, but first, I want to uh, just, I just, this came up on my newsfeed today. Richard Branson, do you know who he is, sweetie? I do, I do. He's the CEO and starter of Virgin Airlines, I among am. other things. Um, and his company did something very special. Um, Virgin Airlines uh, dropped an extraordinarily generous parental leave policy. Um, he says he's very proud of Virgin Management. They've introduced a new initiative giving all employees in two of their offices, not worldwide, a full year's pay for shared parental leave. And it applies to new dads too. What does that mean? Two years pay. A full year's pay. Full year's pay. For shared parental leave. What does that mean? That means that you can take up to 52 weeks for parental leave. Oh my leave. gosh, that's amazing. So a dad, let's say the mom is the one making Primary. the money. Or the breadwinner. The dad, uh, or let's say they both do, but mom makes more money. Dad can do a parental leave, like say dad works for Virgin Airlines. Okay. He can take 50 weeks off. Wow. Yeah. In, within a year. Full year's pay. Year's full pay for shared parental leave. Interesting. Yeah, I don't crazy. like the language though, because it doesn't make sense to me. What does it make sense? I don't know. I full years pay. A years full pay for shared parental leave. What is the shared piece? I think that maybe maybe they both work for the airline and they uh, can't both take 52, 26 and 26. Okay. Or something like that. Oh yeah, cuz it's not quite clear, but regardless of how clear it is to me, it's obviously a very family-friendly policy. In doing so, Branson won up the British government, which recently passed a law mandating 37 weeks of shared leave per family upon the birth or adoption of a child. Wow. 37 weeks, which in turn somewhat hilariously won up the US, which requires employers provide none at all. I know our our country is so un Aware of- Only 10 to 15% of U.S. employers offer any sort of paternity leave whatsoever. Yeah, we are unaware because what we'll say as a country is that what comes first is our people and, you know, family and family comes first. But we we have very few policies in order yep. or laws in order that really indicate that. True that. Um, the first one being the fact that, you know, taking leave is not mandated, nope. meaning that it's so important those first couple weeks and obviously bonding with the child, but the healing of the mother and the bonding of the mother and the father with the child. Well, I feel like the bigger story, I mean, aside from Richard Branson, is Britain has 37 weeks oh, I know. and we have zero. Right. We don't, it's not it's crazy. And again, some people would say, well, that's the freedom piece yep. is we get to choose, but it's one of those things where we we don't understand that there's a backlash for that. Yeah. We it's kind of like working crazy long hours and thinking we can sustain that. Yep. And thinking that that's a good thing when really it ends up affecting our work negatively. It's the same thing about well let's just keep on keep it on and go back to work right after we have kids. Well there's a backlash to that. Yep. Um there's a cost. There's a cost. That's the better word. There's a cost. Sweetie, tell me about this book. Okay. So this book that I am pulling this word over determination from, and like I said, it's a psychoanalytic word. It's been out there a while, but um, M. Scott Peck 
Anybody who has read The Road Less Traveled will know who this guy is. Um, and as I was mentioning to Todd, it was the first self-help book I ever read. And I think it was in – I think it was published in the 70s. This is like his seventh book. Um, it's called The Road Less Traveled and Beyond, Spiritual Growth in an Age of Anxiety. It was published in 1997. And I'm just fine. it's kind of fun to go back through his language because he kind of re reiterates what he said in The Road Less Traveled. So it's kind of like um, uh, – Kind of going through it again now as an older person. That's right. Because I read it a few times, but I don't think I've picked up The Road Less Traveled since my 20s. So, but anyway, so I came across this thing that I thought was interesting in, I think he really taps into a way that many of us um, experience things. Okay. So he introduces a word called overdetermination. This is the concept that everything important has multiple causes. So anything important is not just caused by one thing. It's caused by many things. It's far from being simplistic. Overdetermination demands the integration of multiple dimensions in order to see the whole picture. Okay. Okay. Can you, does that make sense, Toddy? I would. Can be, you follow that? I can sort of follow, but I would love an example at some point. Okay. It is necessary for the understanding of many issues. To think well means to perceive in multi-dimensional ways. This is such a key piece of self-awareness. Okay. A lot of times we become very simplistic and we say something like, the reason that this relationship broke up, this marriage broke up is because of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you know that my when parents you, use that? Yeah. Do you know that in uh, the the statistic about why why people divorce, money is always number one. Yeah. The over, the idea of over determination and understanding multiple causes is money is not the only reason. Money is a symptom of this bigger thing. Right. What are the other things? Maybe a lack of communication. Maybe there were issues with being responsible with money. Maybe there were issues with um, understanding each other before they got married. You know what I mean? Like, did you discuss money? Did right. you discuss – maybe there was an issue with the economy. Mm -hmm. Maybe they went through a recession. Maybe there was an issue with a business that you know wasn't well thought out, yeah. so it, it tanked. Overdetermination means every single one of those pieces led to the dissolution – what's the word I'm looking for? Dissolving? Dis yeah, like the marriage dissolves. Yeah, but what's the that word I'm looking for? I don't know. It doesn't matter. The well, dissolving of that relationship. Before you get into further explanation, I remember my dad, I, my parents got divorced uh, when I was younger, and he always used to say, well, it was all about money. If you have money, then everything is going to be okay. My thing is, if for whatever reason, let's say my parents won the lottery when I was a little kid, those the problem still would have existed. They would have just looked different. It would have looked different. And I feel like people, let's take my parents out of it, but people, um, it's easy to say it's money because if it's money, then it has nothing to do with exactly. me. Exactly. Exactly. Right? It's a complete pushing off of all these other variables mm -hmm. and saying it's this thing. I'll give you another example. People go through the world and they think life would be so much better if I was really good looking. Yeah. Like, things would be so easy if I had this body, if you know I had this kind of face, if I didn't have wrinkles, life would be so great. That's not true at all. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are people who are gorgeous people in the world who are very unhappy people. Same as really rich people. Really rich people. What what we need to look at is that there – what Todd and I talk about on this show is there are layers upon layers of things that lead to who a person is. And that one simplistic thing mm -hmm. is not going to make 
a, you know, make or break a person. Right. It's just a piece of it. And I think your point is so well taken that a lot of times we say those things to take the responsibility off of ourselves. Right. We say, well, I am just a depressed person or I'm just a – or my life is difficult because I don't look this way. Well, and I guess it's good that my dad didn't blame my mom or my mom didn't blame my dad. Instead, money was the excuse. So I guess that's one step up. Instead of blaming the other person, you have some inanimate thing that you blame. But really – our whole idea of what this show is about is what do are we bringing to our problems, to our challenges, instead of just like pointing the finger somewhere else, we have some self-reflection. Well, it makes us like wipe our hands clean of it when we say it's money and we don't dig deeper into what causes. And again, you're right. It doesn't help to blame someone else. That, that's just as bad as blaming money right. because you're still not looking at yourself. What are all the variables that came into play here? And if we understood the variables before we got into a marriage or before we had children or before we got a new job, if we understood all those variables, it may not be a failure because we would have access and understanding of how we tick and why we react the way we do to certain things or why – it doesn't mean that money – has no role in it. It may have some role, Mm -hmm. but the way we even look or experience money or spend money plays a role in how we view money, how we were raised around money. Like one of um, Todd and my favorite understandings of money is the way Susie Orman talks about it in her first book. She, she, the first exercise she has you do is you go back to your own history and you think about how you thought about money as a child. Mm -hmm. How was it, how was it felt in your family? Right. Because that's the way you still treat it. Yeah. Everything goes back to childhood. And so if money was scarce, now here's something very interesting kind to kind of, if money was scarce, it doesn't mean that you're always going to think money is scarce because there are families that money is scarce, but they live in such a way that they don't put so much value on money right. where people kind of grow up thinking, well, yeah. oh, it'll be okay. There's a certain sense of freedom. If you know that there you is. can get by with a little then you're more willing to take risks because you know that you can get by with little. And you know that that money as, you know, we took this quote from the movie Blow with Johnny Depp, Ray Liotta says to his son over and over again because he's selling drugs, money isn't real. And what he means by that statement is you are focusing on the wrong things. Life is about relationships. Life is about how you feel about yourself. Life is about your connection to others and your own integrity. And money isn't real. Money is a false god. Money is a false happiness. It doesn't mean that we don't need Ten it at years, all. My father worked his ass off 14 hours a day, seven days a week. He didn't care, as long as we were happy. Okay, well, what do I have to do? But in the end, he didn't make enough. Slowly but surely, lost everything. We were bankrupt. Let's get some ice cream. No, Dad, I don't care about ice cream right now. What are we going to do? It'll be all right, George. It'll work out. It always does. I'm going to find another job. Look, George, this is the way it goes. Sometimes you're flush and sometimes you're bust. And when you're up, it's never as good as it seems. And when you're down, you never think you're going to be up again. But life goes on. Remember that. Money isn't real, George. It doesn't matter. It only seems like it does. Mm. How's that? You found it. You found it. I'm impressed. That's from a movie called Blow with Johnny Depp and Ray Liotta. And we saw it a long time ago. It's from 2001. But uh, we always remember that scene. 
and we quote it to each other all the time. And that's just there's a lot of poetry in in his words. Well, let's take that. Let's. What do you say? Like when you're something about when you're up, it's never enough, and when you're down. You know, it's gonna stay down, or like he uses a poker analogy. Yeah, right. Sometimes you're flush, sometimes yeah, you're bust. Right. And like you just said, you know, like we think when we get more money, then that will equal happiness. And insert your own word there. You may not have money issues, but you may have. I will be happy when I lose ten pounds. I lose ten pounds. I will be happy when I'm in the bigger house. I'm in the bigger house. We'll always have that one thing that is just out of our reach, mm-hmm. and then we convince ourselves that once that happens, you know, I'll be happy when I get a raise. Well, I've gotten a bunch of raises over the last <laughs> twenty years, and I'm still seeking out for that next raise. And it's this cycle, this this wheel, this hamster wheel that you're on, and. All of a sudden, you're 75 years old being, what happened to my life? I I spent most of my life waiting for that next thing in order for me to achieve happiness. And the greatest awareness, so if you're thinking to yourself, well, then what do we do? Be aware of the wheel. Yeah. Be aware that it's just a wheel. And it doesn't mean you can't enjoy money when it comes and doesn't mean that it isn't a bummer when it goes. It just means recognize that it's just this surface level thing. That's what, what I love about that scene is when this happens to him where he loses money and they go bankrupt. Bankrupt, which none of us want to experience, but he says, let's go get some ice cream. Yeah. Let's just not let's go buy another house or let's be stupid, but let's get some ice cream and yeah. let's regroup here. Yeah. And his son, who is Johnny Depp, you know, Johnny Depp is him grown up, but he's like, no, I don't want you to do this. He's like, dude, we're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And you know what? In that movie, Ray Liotta is okay. Yeah. He figures out how to do it. Yeah. And Johnny Depp thinks that money is the most important. So he goes another way. I want to talk about our second partner and then I want to talk to you about relationships real quick okay. um, within the context because yes, I know yes. you got a lot more to go. But John J. Kelly, he does uh, comprehensive dentistry. He's helping our three daughters with their facial development and their airway. It sounds weird for a dentist, but John Kelly does it. If they're in the um, stage of their life where they uh, need to get their teeth straightened, do it in a safe, good way by going to John Kelly. Uh, ChicagoDentistOnline.com, 773-631-6844. Make sure you check them out. So, sweetie, a lot of times people say to me and probably people say to you is, oh, well, it's easy because you have Kathy. Or they say to you, oh, it's your your relationship is easy because you have Todd. Mm-hmm. And they say it with love, but they're also saying it's like we just kind of got lucky to be put in this That it was position. some kind of roll of the dice. Some kind of roll of the dice. And what I would like to say to the people who say that to me is re- positive relationships is hard work. I think people think that positive relationships is something that happens to us mm-hmm. when in fact it's something that we work very hard towards whether that is how we communicate, whether that's how we take the time up, even though it's be easier to work an extra night instead of take you out to dinner. Like we invest in this relationship. And the reason that these relationships turn sour a lot of the times is because they're not investing in the relationship. There's that. And I also, speaking of over-determination and of multiple factors, something that is often too difficult to explain in an everyday interaction that we can talk about on the show is backing up, backing up to the beginning of the relationship. Because a lot of my... Beep, 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 beep. A lot of my um, friends who have gotten divorced have been able to say to me, I knew at the very beginning or when we were dating, things weren't good. Mm -hmm. I knew that, you know, he used to have a, he always had a temper before we got to, you know, when we first got together and I just thought it would go away. There's a lot of things, historically speaking, that 
we thought something would change. Yeah. And I know 99.9% of you who are listening are either in a marriage or have already been in a marriage. And so it's hard to go back. We don't, I don't know if we have a lot of 20 somethings listening to this, but there are decisions, decisions that you make ahead of time yeah. before you go into a marriage that play a role in how it's going to turn out. Right. At the same time, once you're in it, as we all know, it's not about the wedding. You haven't like said your vows and now you're home free. You've just begun. Yeah, that's the easy part. That's the easy part. You have just begun. Todd always uh, says to me, he always says, it's so weird to think about our wedding because we barely knew each other. And we knew knew each other very well (laughs) in comparison to other friends who got married. So this sounds weird, but we uh, did not, I I don't know. I felt like that we were just starting out, even though we knew each other for 10 years or something. We did. We met when I was 20 or 21 Mm -hmm. and we didn't get married until I was 30. Now we didn't date that whole time. We had time apart, but we knew each other pretty well. We We went to college together. We had some serious background. And yet when we got married, we barely knew what made each other tick. We had only had a handful of arguments. Like we really just got started. And so that's where the work begins. And now what I'll say for those of you who have been together a long time and you're just not quite sure, maybe you're feeling disconnected or you're not sure what's going on with your marriage or relationship, There's, you can start now. Right. You don't have to say, well, you know, I can, I'm throwing in the towel because we've never had communication. You can start communicating differently this second. Yeah. There's always hope for every relationship. Fresh start. Unless you're in some kind of relationship that is really abusive, mm-hmm. where it's something so toxic that you need to you know, pull yourself out of that, that I totally understand. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, you know, relationships where communication is broken down or you feel like the love or romance is gone, there is always a way to get back. Well, isn't it um, sometimes like good advice to, instead of trying to fix old problems, and maybe this is what you're trying to uh, help us understand, like redefine or recreate the marriage from this point on. You know what I mean? Well, because we can't fix what happened when we were 25. We can either forgive it or we can make a decision that we can't. I hope we can forgive, but maybe we'll say, you know what? Too much damage has been done. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people who say there's just too much. I Mm -hmm. can't continue on. But there right now is all we can do. Isn't that mindfulness and present day, present time is... We can't fix what we did 10 years ago. We can't even fix what we did two days ago. We can apologize for it and become more aware of it, but we got to start now. Sometimes it's uh, really hard to kind of re-understand or undo the previous mistakes. Yes, it is. And, you know, sometimes there's value to going back in time. Yes, there is. But many times it might be more effective and better to say, let's just wipe this slate clean. Right. And let's start from right this moment. Once once what happened historically has been said out loud yeah. because we can't overwrite it. Like it's kind of like burying a bunch of bodies yeah. underneath the ground and pretending they're not there. Yeah. They'll be poltergeist and they'll come through the ground. Yeah. Like in the movie, remember? Um, yeah, because of the pool. The they, pool. They, 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 Indian the, burial ground. The seven pools are here. The pools are here. So um, anyway, before you play that, are you going to play something? Maybe. Okay, we'll put up a finger when you're going to play so I don't talk over it. All right. Um, but so it's important to acknowledge what happened in the past, but to to continue on that cycle of talking about that past is a totally different thing. Right. We need to say out loud what occurred, practice forgiveness, 
acknowledge what we're going to do differently, and then move forward. So the reason therapy can be so helpful is you can bring up some of those old bodies. Right. <laughs> I love these, this yeah, dead body analogy. Like, yeah, right. Bring up the old body so they're no longer skeletons in the closet, and they you give them some air to breathe. They probably don't smell good. No, probably not. <laughs> I don't know if I should play a poltergeist uh, thing or a honeymoon in Vegas thing. Um, well, Take your one of them is more funny than the other. Well, there's just a whole bunch of good ones. Have you? For those of you guys who haven't seen <laughs> Honeymoon in Vegas, Vegas, it is uh, pretty darn good. Well, it's Nicolas Cage actually being really funny. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's like Raising Arizona funny. It is. Are you going to play it? My fiance was kidnapped and taken to Hawaii. I've got to get there now. Well, I'm trying to make arrangements to get to Milwaukee for my nephew Douglas's wedding on the 21st. You're not even flying today? No. Consumer Reports said that if you make your travel arrangements two weeks in advance at you the see airport... this line? We're all flying today. Please, sir, if you don't get back on... Then what? I'll be arrested? Put in airport jail? Just get your ticket and move on, okay? Get your goddamn ticket and move on! I want to comment on what Todd just said about how sometimes we'll say, um, oh, you have it easy, okay? And I found this this thing. I actually didn't find it. It was on Facebook the other day, and it's a friend of mine from high school, and he wrote something that I thought was really powerful um, in terms of – I think it summed up something that I often try to say to people yeah. about Todd and I. And he wrote, it was his anniversary. And he was, so he was writing this obviously for his wife, but I think for everybody. He says, it's 11.05 PM and I'm just now writing my anniversary post. 20 years I've been married to this woman. And if you count the dating years, I've been with her for half of my life now. Every once in a while, someone says something like, you two are so fill in the blank, meaning it's a positive thing. Mm -hmm. And my answer to that is a statement borrowed from a football player. You think this just happens naturally? You're not seeing the work that goes into making it look like that. Mm. And it is work. And I will toot my own horn here and say it is the finest 22 years of work I have ever done. Love is too simple a word for it after all this time. I don't believe in the concept of soulmates, soulmates, and I never have. But believe me when I tell you that over time, this woman has become the mate for my soul. Isn't that gorgeous? He's a sweetheart. Well, I just think that's so gorgeously written because, you know, there's these things we try and throw out there, like I'm not happy in my relationship or my marriage, so I believe there's another person out there for me. Yeah, and I'll I'm get not, happiness by going to a different person. And I'm not saying that that's not possible to be sure. happy with someone else. What I'm saying is that it really doesn't it's not there. Mm -hmm. It's internal in you, yeah. meaning it's how you relate to this person you're with. Yeah. And what you're developing with this person is a sense of intimacy you really don't have with other people. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying intimacy sex. I'm saying intimacy like somebody who sees your darkness right. and who accepts you. Someone who has the uh, the show we were watching um, yesterday, Todd and I were watching a old Super Soul Sunday with Rob Bell and his wife. And he said that he off, he's a surfer and he often sees people on the beach getting their engagement pictures mm -hmm. taken. Right. And he always wants to go up to him and say, yeah, this picture is great, but have you seen each other throw up yet? Right. Like you haven't even begun until you've had these difficult and dark experiences because the whole point of being in relationship with another is to go through that together right. and come out on the other side. The thing that I want my girls to know in life, and this is not just in their, if they ever get married or have a, you know, a, 
a relationship with someone. Mm -hmm. It's with anything. You will go through difficult times, but you will come out. You will be overcome by the waves of life, but you'll always be lifted back, you know, up on top of the water. You will be okay. And that's kind of the way if we could relate if we could relate to our relationships that way. Where you and I have had really yucky times where Absolutely. you've been annoyed at me and or for, I've been annoyed at you. And for every one of those instances, we come out stronger and cleaner That's on the right. other side. That's right. And I think people sometimes uh, just resign themselves to the, f- the fact that it's not worth getting mucky again. It should, so they, they escape. Or they think it should never get mucky. Right. They have this misunderstanding. And so let's take this off marriage for a second. Let's talk about our children. It's the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. We're going to go through times with our kids where either we're struggling or they're struggling or there's a mutual struggle and they may show an ugly side or we show an ugly side and we throw up our hands and we say we're bad parents or we point to them and say they're a bad kid instead of just understanding that it's a it's a period of time. It's a moment. You know, my mom said to me all all the time while I was growing up, this too shall pass. Like nothing stays forever. It, It changes and it grows and it evolves. And so, you know, Todd and I like to use, you know, just because I found this, uh, my friend put this quote on Facebook, we really want to focus in on that. Um, but it's true in every relationship. Isn't that, uh, I think there's a term in Buddhism, uh, called impermanence. Yes. Yes. And I think that just means exactly what you said is it never, Things never stay as they are. Exactly. There's always something um, that's going to change it, whether it's good or bad. So it's the idea of being accepting what is instead of knowing like, oh, I have this happiness. I need to hold on to it. Know that you're not going to hold on to your happiness. There's no such thing as holding on to it. And that you, the thing that we want the most in life is certainty Mm -hmm. and it doesn't exist. And so we do, we make a lot of choices based on certainty. Like just like last week when we talked about Jim Carrey, we, we talk about that, you know, his quote was sometimes we make choices that are fear-based, but we call them practical. We say this is a practical choice when really it's us thinking we can hold on to something and it and it will stay the same and we'll never get disappointed and it will it'll keep our life certain nothing is certain and th- we can make choices that help us stabilize mm-hmm. you know there's nothing wrong with making choices that makes you at least feel like you can wake up in the morning and have a roof over your head right. you know i'm not saying that we're in a constant world of chaos that's not good either that's out of balance but this understanding that we um Go ahead. There's a, uh, this is the definition of impermanence. Okay, go ahead. Impermanence is one of the essential doctrines or three marks of existence in Buddhism. The term expresses the Buddhist notion that all of conditioned existence without exception is transient or in a constant state of flux. Always. Everything from our cells to nature, Mm -hmm. to relationships, it's always changing. And when we say that, the first feeling that people tend to have is fear. Mm -hmm. But why? Well, and my metaphor I'm thinking of is you're in an ocean and you're on a boat and you just got to roll with With the waves, ups and downs. Yeah. The only thing that we can depend on is change. Mm -hmm. And if we can figure out ways, like Todd just said, to ride those waves and to ride the changes. And so my question always has been for myself, because I've gone through, obviously, I've been very philosophical my whole life. And sometimes these things throw me off and make me uncomfortable. What I have found has been the stabilizing force in my life is number one, love 
which I know sounds cliche to many, but I know that that's the most important thing in the world and that that's the one thing that never has to change, meaning that even if somebody passes away, I can still love them. Even if a friend has disappointed me, I can still love them. Mm -hmm. Even as my children make choices that maybe aren't great choices, I still love them. When Todd decides to do something that makes me mad, I can still love him. That freedom, that certainty stabilizes my existence because that's the only thing I know for sure. And everything else I've kind of got to roll with, but you understand that good and bad, love is the most powerful thing in the universe. All you need is love, sweetie. And, you know, it becomes cliche because everybody writes about it, but everybody writes about it because it's true. Yeah. You know, so if you're like, well, this is great. I don't like uncertainty and I don't like change. Stabilize yourself with love. Mm -hmm. And how does love look? It's what we're going to talk about. Can I roll into this? Roll into it. It's this idea of integrity. Okay. Because, you know, I was just talking about over-determination at the beginning of the show. To think well means we need to perceive in multidimensional ways. And that's what, you know, over-determination is. It also says in the book, it is the essence of thinking with integrity. The word integrity comes from the noun integer, which signifies wholeness, entirety, completion. To think and ultimately act with integrity, we have to integrate the multiple reasons and dimensions of our incredibly complex world. Mm. And if you don't want to take it as big as the world, your incredibly complex self. Yeah is that to love yourself, you have to love all pieces. Even the bad parts. That's right, which goes into the next thing, Todd, because you'll like this, because Todd and I talk about this a lot. We psychiatrists, he's a psychiatrist, I am not, I'm a therapist, but we clinicians, I'll say, because I'm reading his book, have a verb for the opposite of integrate. Hmm. Compartmentalization. Ooh, that's a word I'm very familiar with. To to compartmentalize is to take things that are properly related and stick them in separate airtight compartments in our minds where they don't rub up against each other. Therefore, it doesn't cause pain, stress, or friction. As a man, I can completely relate to that. Absolutely. And you you have been – and it's a nature or nurture thing. Do you think you were taught to compartmentalize? Do you think trauma taught you to compartmentalize? Probably. Um, and I was, I don't know if I was taught this, but I came to realize that uh, it was safe for me to stick things in little squares in my brain. Um, but that's not what a healthy, That's that does not serve my healthy existence. And The example I'll give is a few weeks ago, I shared on the show how I was worried about some money issues that we had. And I really wasn't, I didn't allow myself to be happy, even though 99% of the things that were going on in my life were happy. I had a healthy family and a roof over my head, yet I was zeroing in on the one aspect of my life that wasn't working. And I I either said, well, I'm either going to be unhappy or displeased or disappointed, and I'm not going to feel any other emotion. Or I'm, or once this problem gets resolved, and then I'll be happy. Um, but what I learned through that, you know, and this, these lessons keep being thrown at me over and over and over again, is I can be disappointed with what is happening in a certain aspect of my life, and I can still feel express happiness for the other parts of my life. And I am very black and white. I compartmentalize things to the extreme. Exactly what this guy is saying. And if I can allow for a little bit of integration, yeah. I guess that's the word, yeah. 
you can integrate happiness and sadness within the same moment. And that's very foreign to me. It is. And it's a practice. And, and I'll use another example. A week or two ago, we talked about Sheryl Sandberg and yeah. her husband passed away and she's dealing with immense grief. And one of the things she talked about in How to Be Resilient is that she has to um, – there, she had to understand pervasiveness. Yeah. And what that means is that she couldn't allow her grief to overcome her at all times in all places. She had to, now this is ironic or not ironic, but interesting. She had to learn how to compartmentalize so she could go to work yeah. and not be so overcome by grief constantly. Mm-hmm. Now, what that is, is that is a dealing, that's a resiliency. It's a coping mechanism. It's a coping mechanism to get her through a time. It's a way that our brain can help us defend against constant grief. Right. Now, what she will eventually do in time, what is the healthy thing, and I'm speaking as a therapist, is we have to integrate all of our experiences into who we are. Mm-hmm. Right now, she's like 40 days from the time that her husband died. It's yeah. too The yeah. grief is too immense. Right. But eventually what you do over time is you integrate. I think all of you can relate. All of you who are listening have had an immense experience, either the death of someone, a, a physical trauma, you know, health mm-hmm. issue, a divorce, a something that has overwhelmed you right. that you, you couldn't deal with initially. Yeah. But now you've integrated it into your sense of self. Yeah. You realize that a lot of your power comes from that trauma, mm-hmm. meaning you learn something. You, you can build off you of build, it. You built off of it. Right. And so that mm-hmm. is when compartmentalize, compartmentalizing is helpful, right. is when we are trying to heal. But when we are needing to integrate again eventually, yeah. then that's the healthy place we want to well, be in. And so I it's guess, a little bit of both. And I think it's – you've got to figure out where you are on the spectrum. Yes. I am a – to a fault, too much of a compartmentalizer. Yes. And not mu- as much of an integrator. Right. I am learning that. Some people integrate too much. Me. Like you. We are opposite. And you need to differentiate that. And, there and, have been times when I'm sad about mm-hmm. something that has nothing to do with, let's say I'm sad about something at home. Mm-hmm. I will have a difficult time working yeah. or doing anything else because I have, like you said, have, have such a difficult time compartmentalizing. Right. And so we all, everything, and again, some people are going to listen to this and they'll say, which one is it? Mm. They're both healthy at whatever place you're in. Well, if nothing else, it's an awareness of what's going on in your body. Exactly. when I was in the throes of my stupid money issues, I wasn't even aware of the fact that I was allowing one aspect of my life to control it. Correct. So the first step is just to have an awareness of what's going on inside your body. And so again, it goes back to this over this umbrella idea of over-determination that there are so many factors yeah. that lead to who we are and how we feel. Yeah. It's like this great big onion and there's all sorts of layers. And the most interesting thing is, is I, I can say this now at 43, is it doesn't end. And that's not scary. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. Meaning you think you've dealt with something and then it shows up again in another way. Yep. You think, it takes okay, on a different face. It takes on a different face. You think you got it all together and then something else shows up. You think that nothing good will happen again and then something amazing comes from nowhere. It We are constantly re... You know, just like our cells mm-hmm. re-energize and re... Not re-energize, they... They renew yeah. constantly. Like the person we were seven years ago Is, doesn't even exist. Right. Like our cells have all completely overturned and become new cells. That's the same. We're constantly doing that. Mm-hmm. And as one of Hopefully. T- yes. Some people stay stuck and guess what happens? They die. They they die. Maybe not physically die, right. but they emotionally die. So you don't die with the music still inside of you. Don't. And don't 
And while you're alive, be alive. Don't get stuck and say, I'm so afraid of living that I'm going to, you know, be, I'm so afraid of change and, and uncertainty that I'm just going to stay stuck and never try anything new, never go out, never be who I am. Those, you basically, you may be living, but you're dead inside. Yeah, don't be dead. Sweetie, be alive. Are you still alive, sweetie? I am. And it's one of my favorite things is even in darkest days, my first thought or maybe my second thought after I'm scared is what interesting thing is going to come from this? Yep. You know, what am I going to learn? So that's a good practice. Next time you guys are freaked out about something, ask yourself, what interesting thing is going to come of this? And that doesn't mean you race through it and say you're fine with it. You're still sad about it or you're still dealing with it, but you're like something is going to come from this. So because we're wrapping up yes. here, I want to read this last paragraph. Okay. To think and act with integrity requires that we fully experience the tensions of competing thoughts and demands. It requires that we ask the crucial question, has anything been left out? It requires us to look beyond our usually simplistic illusions and assumptions to try to discover what is missing. Wow. That's a mouthful. What do you think about that? I just love this guy. I think that, I mean, there's... M. Scott Peck. And I think that he was one of the first therapists to take a more spiritual, mm. and if you don't like that word, a more uh, conscious okay. look at psychoanalysis yeah. and the world as a whole, and to recognize that it is multidimensional and multilayered, and that things are not always as they seem. And that we, his one of his biggest points, which you and I say a lot, we are responsible for what we bring into the world. Yep. We are responsible for ourselves. And that means when we're struggling, we ask for help. That means when we are cruel, we ask for forgiveness. Means that we're in, when we're in a good place, we Enjoy offer assistance. It. Yes. And that we appreciate and have mm-hmm. gratitude for being in that good place because it comes and goes. Very good. All right. Ready for the summer. Are you ready for sunshine? For the fireflies, the fireflies. Whole lot of fooling around. This is meatballs. Is that meatballs? It is the meatballs. I love meatballs. The movie. Um, I'm playing that just because our two of our daughters went away for camp for a week, and I'm just such a big fan of this. And I'll explain why. It's because they're not allowed to bring any form of technology. No Kindle, no iPhone, no iPad, nothing. And I, you know, I, I think our parents would laugh at us right now because that's how we grew up. But the technology is such a part of who we are these days. I am just glad that our daughters are going to unplug for seven days in a row. I know. As JC was leaving, she she said, my phone is going to just constantly have texts while I'm gone. I go, put it on airplane mode. Mm. They can't even come through then. Mm. And something about that soothed her. It was almost like putting life on pause. Yeah. And she and she, they really had no problem not bringing technology because they know it's fun there. Yeah. They know yeah. that they're engaged. So get your kids an overnight camp where they're not allowed to bring <laughs> uh, phones with them. Um, what about uh, this, sweetie?
Um, so I think I'm not. It's hard not to do a little head. What's it called? Head head banging. Head banging. Um, I think you should play either some celebration or some yay or something because we have some big news. Okay, uh, I love big news. I or love- clapping or just something that we can. Some horns. Do you have any horns? Um, like it's a party. Like it's New Year's Eve. Let me see here. Let me see what I can pull up. Um, no, not that one. That one, not that one, not that one, not that one, not that one. How about just some clapping? I don't like waiting. I'm going to cut all this out. I know you are, but it's... Uh, All right, just some clapping. Clapping. All right. Just put some clapping in. Yay. (laughs) Yeah, it's not quite the excitement level I wanted because everyone... Todd and I, along with our backers, we made it to our goal. What what was our goal? Our goal was fifteen thousand. So we have a Kickstarter campaign that we hit our goal, but that doesn't mean we're stopping. Well, no, but let's say thank you, thank you to these people who have supported us because. 15000 was our minimum to get this ball rolling. Yeah. And now that we've reached it and we have about eight days left, Kickstarter allows you to keep going for your full 30 days so that it's not over. You can still get your ticket. You can still become a vendor or a sponsor. You have eight days left to jump on these perks that are being offered. And we're already, I think now we're like at sixteen five or mm-hmm. something. Like people are still coming on to back it and to get their their good stuff out of this campaign. Yep. So we want to read the next, I think we have 10 people here who have backed us or more, 14 in the last couple of days. All right, let's hear So it. do you have your clapping ready? Ready. Okay, so number 40 is Estee Grant. Number 41 is Sandy. Good old Sandster. Number 42 is Kathy Litgen. The Litz. Number 43 is Butcher T. McPherson. No, no. Butcher's Just, our friend. Uh, we know them, so we can boo them. Um, number 44 is Vicky. I think it's Hoffle or Hoffle. The Hoffler. And I'm sorry, Vicky, if I said your name wrong. Um, number 45 is Chris Dersh. The Dersh. Number 46 is Nathan Christensen. Nate. Number 47 is Jesse Hulls. Different clapping. Yeah. Number 48 is Anthony Molina. Anthony. Number 49 is a, a company called Your Food Story, mm. which is it's super cool. I checked out their website. All right. Um, number 50 is Christy Oitel. Number 51 is Mike Ross. Mm. No. <laughs> That's our good friend, Mike Ross. Number 52 is Christine and Richard Norton. Number 53 is Lauren. And number 54 is Stephen Sackadales. The Saxter. I think I'm saying that right. The Sackmaster. And again, I have to say this because I apologize if I said your name incorrectly. I want you to know that my intention behind saying your name is only to acknowledge um, and thank you for supporting this campaign. Um, we couldn't do it without you guys. We're at, we're at 54 people backing us. And um, what we're trying to do for our backers is offer them things like we've done a few bonus podcasts and giving them some resources 
And we really want to support you guys as we head towards this March conference. We cannot say thank you enough. Thank you. Um, I have a men's group and we're meeting uh, on Tuesday, June 23rd. And usually we kind of work on ourselves and all that. But this Tuesday, once a year, we have a no fee meeting, which means uh, we go play like we did when we were 12 years old. So it's going to consist of, you know, some touch football, not tackle football. We're too old for that. Some baseball, some uh, maybe some ultimate Frisbee. I don't know what we're going to do. But anyways, if there's any men out there in the Chicagoland area that have any interest in, uh, you know, just kind of checking out the group, this might be a good way to do it. So send me an email at comments at zenparentingradio.com. Kathy has three books. The the biggest and the most recent one is Living What You Want Your Kids to Learn, the... Power of Self-Aware Parenting. parenting. That's what I thought, but I didn't want to screw it up. So you can buy those at our website at zenparentingradio.com. If you want to check out the Kickstarter campaign, go to zenparentingradio.com, click on events. It's also on our Facebook page, and you can also subscribe to our newsletter so you get all of the updated information. That's right. And um, our last partner is Jeremy Kraft from Avid Company. Uh, 630-956-1800, painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. Give uh, Jeremy a call and tell him that uh, Zen Parenting Radio sent you. And that we love you. And that we do love you. Um, So you talked a little bit about change in this uh, podcast, sweetie. So I'm going to play a Pearl Jam song that has a good change line. I don't know if we're going to hear it. I'm surprised you're not playing Blind Melon Change. I know, but we play that a lot. And I've never played this on our podcast. Hearts and thoughts, sweetie. And there's a line in the song that says, I change by not changing. But I don't know if it's going to come up. Do you have any words of wisdom? Um, just, it's hard to talk over the song. Even though I love the song. Do your best. Um, I would say that let's be aware of all of the multiple causes and all of the multiple influences in our life instead of point our fingers at one thing or one person and blame let's recognize and take responsibility for our pieces the pieces that we can't change and the things that we become more aware of i think that's the best way to live you know what i think what i change by not changing at all um sun's out guns out We'll see you guys on Friday. Have a good week. One wants to see. Sweetie, play it. I just want to scream. You going to say it with me? Hello. Hello.